Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. Before we get to today's episode about the uncruise, I have a few announcements to make. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there. You can see links to our social media. You can see photos of our guests. You can see links to their social media. By ours, I'm talking about Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. There's Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's a Facebook page you can follow us on. And on our homepage, you'll also find links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you get your podcasts. So if you listen on any of those platforms, I ask, as always, to please give us a good rating. That helps more people find the show. That's a cool thing for you to do. And it makes me look like a big shot. Speaking of making me look like a big shot, if you want to write me and say nice things, or maybe suggest a guest for the show, maybe yourself, maybe someone you know, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, this episode's a little bit of a two-for-one. There's two people that I talked to on my recent voyage on the Uncruise. And no, this was not a cruise ship that I have been performing on like usual. No, this is an Uncruise, the anti-cruise. Actually, it's just called Uncruise. And for those of you who listen regularly, you know last year I talked to a woman named Liz Galloway who does PR for this company called Uncruise, which runs ships out of Alaska, Central America, Galapagos, and Baja, California, which is where I went, courtesy of Liz and the Uncruise people. So for March 11th through 18th, I and my guest, who was also invited, which was very cool of Liz that I could bring a guest, which is rare on any kind of media trip, met their ship, the Safari Voyager, in La Paz, Mexico. La Paz, a place I've never been. We went a day early just so I could check out La Paz, and La Paz was really cool. Now, most of the flights go into San Jose del Cabo, which is about a two-and-a-half-hour drive south. Now, there is a small airport in La Paz, but there's far fewer flights that get in there. Really, only direct flights from the U.S. are like from Houston and Phoenix, really. Not even L.A. It was kind of a hassle to fly into there, so much easier to get a direct flight into San Jose del Cabo, where we caught a uh, shuttle bus. It was more of a van. There's only 10 of us in it, and uh, cost us about $33 U.S. a person to take this drive up, and it was pretty simple. It's a company called EcoBus Tours, or EcoBaja Tours, I'm sorry. Anyway, you'll find it if you look online. But if you were taking the Uncruise, There'll be somebody there to meet you at the airport in Cabo, take you to a waiting area at a nearby hotel, and everybody boards a big, comfortable bus up to La Paz where you meet the ship. And this is first and foremost how you know it's not a normal cruise ship because there is only a max of about 60-something people that can fit on the Safari Voyager as opposed to, say, 3,000 on an average cruise ship. So much more intimate experience, much more hands-on which quite frankly, I found to be great. So the Uncruise is all about activities and nature and doing stuff. No sitting around with a karaoke machine and playing shuffleboard and watching comedians like me babble on in a big theater. No, they're not pushing a casino on you the entire time. This is all about doing stuff. And man, did we do stuff. Visited multiple islands in Baja, California, where I'd never been, but it's all about the Sea of Cortez, which back in the, I don't know, 60s and 70s, Jacques Cousteau famously visited shot a bunch of specials there, and called it the Aquarium of the World, teeming with all sorts of sea life. And the time of the year we went, which was mid-March, was great. It's where the gray whales come every winter to uh, have their calves and spawn. And not only did we get to see them, we got to take little boats up to them and, and get so close that they came to the boat, we could reach out and touch them. Amazing experience. That was just one. And then we snorkeled around some reefs uh, during the week. And uh, one of the highlights of snorkeling, we got to go to a sea lion I don't know, is it a rookery or some kind of like breeding area? And we got to snorkel with the sea lion pups, which was an amazing experience. It was so cool. So I shot a load of video, uh, made some reels that I hope you're seeing on Instagram. They'll also be on our website and YouTube page. But it was just a great week. We ate delicious food. I was never bored. There's enough time to also relax. But we were so tired usually by the end of the day that we (laughs) got to bed early. And with a crowd that intimate and a group that small... 
uh, you meet your fellow passengers, and sometimes that can be scary, but no, everybody on our ship was super cool. Our last episode was with Julie Fannin, one of the guests that I met, and it was just a fun group. And a cruise like this that's all about activities and doing things and being active uh, brings out a different crowd than, say, you know, the normal crowd that goes to the Caribbean or the Mexican coast, where they're really just kind of like getting out of bad weather and uh, sitting around a beach and drinking margaritas all day, or sitting in a pool or a casino and just getting hammered, which is not what this is about. Although you could, there was a great bartender, <laughs> and, you know, the select few of us would end up at the bar every night, or most nights, you know, I took a couple nights off, but, you know, we, uh, we had a good time. So if you want to learn more about Uncruise, you can go to uncruise.com and see all that they have to offer, all their different ships, all their different destinations. Uh, we're coming up on summer, so uh, they're big in Alaska. They're kind of based out of Juneau there. And as many times I've gone up there on cruise ships in Alaska, I never get to do the stuff that they get to do, which is like kayak right up to you know the glaciers near Glacier Bay and all sorts of other cool activities. So if you're thinking of taking a cruise and you're one of those people that just like to be out in nature and doing stuff, and be active, this is a good one to do. And yeah, it'll cost a little more than those uh, other cruise ships, but if you paid for all the activities that you do on Uncruise and paid extra for them, which is not included, or usually not even offered, but uh, most of the activities, like say kayaking at a certain destination, if you paid for that as an excursion on a lot of the cruise lines, uh, those add up. And quite honestly, they're not nearly as good of a trip, (laughs) you know? And you don't have to be in super uh, amazing shape to do the uncruise stuff. I mean, they handle people of all different levels. If you are some, you know, if you're handicapped in some way, it might be a little tough for you, depending on what your physical limitations are. You just let them know, and they'll work on stuff uh, with you. But we had people of all ages. We had uh, younger people in, in their, well, I say younger, but in their 30s, all the way up to the, like people in their 70s. Now, the people in the 70s were active 70s. 70-year-olds, you know, which was really cool to see. We had some people who were really into nature, had some birders, a couple birders on there who were always looking through binoculars, looking at the birds. But I like people who are into nature. They tend to be pretty mellow and pretty kind. They appreciate living things, and I can appreciate that. So while I was on the ship, I wanted to talk to some people in charge. And who is more in charge on a ship than the captain? So I talked to Captain Andrea Costo, who's an Alaska native. And such an Alaska native. She tells stories about hunting as a little girl. She still lives up there. And she had an interesting backstory. And I talked to her right on the bridge there. So we had a little conversation up there in the bridge. And I also talked to Erica Hernandez Calvo, a.k.a. Keika, who was our activities coordinator on the Safari Voyager. Probably the closest equivalent would be to a uh, cruise director. But again, this is the uncruise. They don't have titles like that. And unlike most cruise directors, uh, Keika was right there with us doing the activities, leading hikes, giving information. Her and her crew, they did an amazing job. And you can follow Erica or Keika on Instagram. And it turns out I already followed her. I didn't, <laughs> she told me her handle and I went, wait a minute, I already follow you. Turns out I did. Uh, her handle is Tour Guide in the World on Instagram. And I'll have a link to her Instagram on Travel Tales Podcast. But give her a follow. She's really fun. She's a native of Costa Rica, has a pretty cool story of how she ended up where she is. So it was a pleasure meeting Erica. It was a pleasure meeting Andrea, the captain, and a real pleasure going on Uncruise. So go to Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram and check out our photos and videos of Uncruise. And hopefully it'll inspire you to take an Uncruise yourself. Get out there, see it. We talk a little bit about how nature has been changing over the last even five years. I've seen it. They've seen it. And time is running out, sadly. So if you want to see nature, get out there. And the Uncruise is a great way to do it. So thank you to Liz Galloway. Thank you to the folks at Uncruise. Here are my conversations with Captain Andrea Costo and Uncruise Activities Coordinator Erica Hernandez-Calvo. Enjoy. Andre, you've been the captain of the Safari Voyager for how long? The first stint that I did as master was in 2017. 2017. Okay. So how many other uncruise ships have you worked on? I have worked on almost all of them. How many is that? Um, I've worked on the Wilderness Explorer, Wilderness Legacy, 
Wilderness Adventurer, Wilderness Discoverer, the Safari Endeavor. I have not worked on the Safari Quest, and I have not worked on the Safari Explorer. So or, wait a minute, Safari Explorer. I've worked on the Wilderness Explorer. So over how many years? Uh, the first uh, contract that I did for this company was in May or June of 2014, and it was to move this ship from San Jose del Cabo to Seattle for a shipyard. Oh, wow. Okay. So this ship we're on, the Voyager, what's the maximum amount of passengers it can take? 66. 66. Okay. And how much crew? We can take up to 35 crew. Okay. So that's the typical size or are they different size ships throughout the fleet? The largest capacity vessel that we have is the Safari Endeavor and I believe she can carry 88. Okay. The Safari Quest is a beautiful small yacht and she does not carry a lot but I don't know the quantity. It could be 15 or 20. I really don't know. It might only be 12. So of all the different uh, trips that Uncruise offers there's the Galapagos, there's Baja, where we're at right now, there's Alaska, and a, and a few others. Which one's your favorite to do? All of them are fantastic, but they, it's kind of like when you're, you're a parent and you have kids. Like, <laughs> right. each one has, like, their characteristic that you really, really love. Um, I really enjoy working in Latin America destinations, though. So, Panama, Costa Rica, Belize, Guatemala, and the Baja. Those are probably my more favorite ones. But I'm from Alaska, so working in Alaska, I get to work at home, and so that is splendid as well. And I've never been to the Galapagos, so I, I oh. don't have anything to, to add to that. Me either. That's, that's high on my list of my bucket list of places to go. So you're a native of Alaska. What part of Alaska, and how did you get into being a, a sea captain? So I grew up in Peters Creek, which doesn't have a zip code but it's in the municipality of Anchorage south central Alaska it's on the road system and uh, I got into maritime in the mid 90s to teach in a marine education program teaching school kids out on a boat out of Seward the program expanded to Prince William Sound and by the time I graduated with a degree in marine biology I had enough sea time to get a master's and mates license so I went and worked for a different expedition company for a couple of years and then I went back to my original employer to be a boat captain and direct the science programs. Wow okay so when you think of Alaska all I think really is because uh, I go up there all the time working in um, you know cruise ship but bigger cruise ships. Okay. So was there ever an urge for you to work in one of those big lines like Norwegian Never. or something? Oh really? No. How come? Just because it's not as hands-on? I never went into maritime to work in on boats. I worked in maritime to be an educator. And then I, I worked in education, and then I worked on research vessels. Mm-hmm. So passenger vessels was never a destination. But now you have one. I do. <laughs> I do, but we take out people that are more interested in learning about the environment, experiment, you know, experiencing the environment. Um, going to new places that otherwise I mean, we go to places that people have never heard of we joke about it being you know unheard of destinations right so this one i know because we are in you know we're in like a, a lagoon here almost a cove and we're always surrounded by you can see land if you know in the baja trip so it's never really that rough seas um do you get like rough seas down here we do so okay. at the storm systems that we see come down from North America. So when the Arctic creates hellacious weather in North America, we see it too. So <laughs> it, it'll show up a little bit later, but we'll have very strong winds with, you know, which create swells. And we, the expedition leader and myself or my alternate, we will figure out places that we can go and essentially hide from the weather and still get out and play. Okay. Have uh, you ever had to cancel a trip due to weather or like any kind of we've had to We've had to stay on board due to due mm-hmm. to have strong winds and not safely being able to load the skiffs, you know, easily on and off, on and off. But as far as canceling a trip, I've never heard of uncruise canceling a trip due to weather. Okay, now travel tales. That's about you personally. Well, this could go back to even when you were a kid. Give me your roughest, scariest ship experience ever so the roughest ship experience i've been through a couple hurricanes in the aleutians but they weren't scary wow the the aleutians is a chain of islands 
So you just move your vessel into the lee of the island. You just keep it, keep it, just moving around so that you're always in a lee. Oh, Alaska! I I watch like Deadliest Catch, and I'm going. That's like my biggest nightmare. I couldn't, I couldn't do they it. They dramatize it. Well, of course, I worked in reality television, but even just the footage of the boat, it just looks awful. It just so it's a hard life, isn't well, it? Well, and a lot of those vessels, I mean, they're Marcos. They are made for crabbing and they are made for those conditions and the number of like i'll use marcos in particular because i've worked on a couple of them the number that they've lost it's not because they foundered due to a vessel error it's because somebody walked downstairs to get a cup of coffee and ran it aground and the boat (laughs) sank like they they are exceptionally tough vessels yeah so uncruise goes to antarctica do they not at one time, they were doing research on chartering vessels to Antarctica, but then COVID happened. Oh. So I don't know if we have any charters doing Antarctica right now. Okay. I don't think we do. How did uh, Uncruise handle COVID? Did you shut down altogether for a year? Or? Basically. So the company, we were sailing in Panama, Costa Rica at the time. And on March 9th, we got an email from our agent that from our Panamanian agent that we could not enter their country because even though we're a small vessel, we're still considered a quote cruise ship. So we had already checked out of Costa Rica. We had to check back into Costa Rica, which is problematic. They want you to leave the country for part of the itinerary, just like foreign flag vessels sailing the United States. And uh, we took the vessel back to Seattle and the company drastically reduced size, drastically reduced office space. And um, it was actually the owner of the company, his daughter, and his daughter's partner, who is a chief engineer for the company, and uh, also the, the owner's girlfriend. They were the ones that did all of the vessel walkthroughs continuously, making sure that in Fisherman's Terminal, the vessels were staying safe. That they that they you know they weren't accumulating water. Goofy things weren't happening. Um, so basically, the four basically the four of them volunteered their time to maintain the property. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> we're in the bridge, everybody. If you, if you're wondering what that sound is, we're in the official bridge. How many people can be here up at the bridge? Can this run just one person all the time? Technically, it could run with one person, but it, when it's dark, we have a second person up here as lookout. Okay. Is there always somebody up here on the bridge? I mean, 24-7? When we are anchored, we do not always have someone on the bridge. Okay. The mates will come up. They'll take a um, log to say how far we are away from objects around us and how deep the water is and it shows a record that we're maintaining vigilance on where our position is but it's it's not manned 24 7 how old is this ship she was her keel was laid in 1982 1982 wow 40 she was built in chesapeake bay okay and how many are in the fleet for on cruise oh gosh we just went through them i think it's eight eight okay the vessel that's in Galapagos is a chartered vessel. All right. So we chartered the entire thing. So I had a health emergency while I was working on a cruise ship in um, in, a, in Mexico mm-hmm. last year. Have you ever had any health emergencies with passengers? And have you ever had to, like, make emergency stops or helicopter somebody off? Or oh, yeah. Oh, you have. How did that go? What was that like? What was the... What was the well, to begin with, you have a plan before it ever happens. Right. So then you just have to go through the checklist and, and get it taken care of. Um, right. Most of the time in foreign nations, you'd first get a, a hold of your agent, and the agent also has the emergency plan, and you just move forward on how to implement that. It's was it mostly simple. like... Was it like age-related issues? I mean, on cruise um, ships, it's mostly old people. <laughs> so here is very active. People get, could get hurt doing things here. You know? Right. I did have a a passenger. It wasn't working here. I had a passenger have a heart attack. He passed. I had a passenger, also not at this op- operator, um, 
who had a stroke and she passed. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Do you have to cancel the whole trip then, or do you just kind of like... No, like, the one that... Um, actually, both of them occurred at the end of the itinerary. Oh, wow. So, you know, the the gentleman who had the heart attack, he was disembarking. Oh, that's tough. And the, the lady who had the stroke, it happened like at three in the morning of the day of disembarkation. Oh, man. So if you would say UnCruise has a philosophy, what would it be? How do they differentiate, them, differentiate themselves from a standard cruise? Because people think cruise, they think, you know, playing shuffleboard on a, with a right. tie. And the, I know? think just the name alone, UnCruise, yeah. they're, they're trying to do a play on words to begin sure. with. Sure. But um, they really do want guests to feel that they're unrushed. They're going to places that... They may have local names. They may have a name on a chart, but they're places that you've never heard of before. And when you go there, there might be someone with their own private boat there, but generally we're not around other people. And being able to take people to experience that, they're going to invest in education. They're going to invest in the, uh, what's the word? Conservation of the region. So. I think that's something, instead of just trying to take people out, have them do karaoke, yeah. <laughs> play bingo, or whatever whatever they want to do at the casinos, we're actually taking them outside, waking them up early, we're going to play hard all day long, wear them out so they go to bed early and do it again the next day. It's about the region. It's not about coming out on a trip that happens to be in a region, right? which happens a lot in Alaska. You know, folks go on a cruise to Alaska, but do they really see Alaska? Yeah. I mean, Alaska is so huge, though. It's so hard to see. I always tell people, because I've I've been up there a number of seasons, to tack on a land portion, because especially in the cruise, you're only seeing a tiny fraction of the the place. And even if you do a land portion of it, say you're going out on a land portion with 50 people. I'm sorry, but I never go hiking with 50 people. (laughs) I might go hiking with two. Right. So the experience of Alaska when you're going with giant operators is not necessarily the same. You know, when we take people into the field, it might be five, maybe 12 people hiking with you, but you still get to experience. You can hear the, the, the birds. You can listen to the whales or the orcas off the beach and listen to them breathe and i don't know if you get to do that when you're on a giant vessel well this is good i have finally have a uh, alaska native here give us uh, some travel tips of where some un unknown parts of alaska that people should visit that may not be on the average guidebook do you have any secret tips so for some of my favorite places the, the national parks are phenomenal there's no doubt about it so if you go to glacier bay national park however there are beautiful lands that are still in the national park that are not in glacier bay proper the park itself is huge so if you can get off to some of the little coves to the say to the west of there is one of my very favorites but um you know, the, the big companies go to them. Tracy Arm's amazing. Um, but if you can get up Ford's Terror, I mean, mm-hmm. it's places that are more nooks and crannies of an experience instead of you arrive at a place, you take a quick look, and then you go back to your lunch or whatever. <laughs> Do you have one particularly Alaska life story? Have you ever been chased by a, a bear or something? <laughs> like- I've been bluffed by bears. Generally, bears... I don't mind being around bears. Okay. I, I backcountry guide in Western Alaska. I enjoy bears as long as they're fed and well fed on salmon that are currently running. Um, probably the strangest story. I was caribou hunting with my family. I was 11 maybe and I got two caribou with one shot and it was inadvertent but they one was slightly closer than the other and it you just couldn't see it so it looked like the entire herd had moved away and I had one animal and I got two animals with one shot and my I was shooting a 30-30 which is a tiny little pea shooter with open sights and my dad was there to back up and he shot an animal that I had not shot. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? And he's like, well, that's what you shot. And I most certainly did not. And we, both animals were through the heart. Oh my gosh. So it You were was, 11? Yeah, I was a kid. I was little with, wow. a, with, a, with a little rifle. But that's probably the, 
the silliest Alaska story. The rest of them are not. Did your family eat caribou? For was like... I grew up on wild game. Wow. So yeah, I did not grow up on beef. So uh, the that's very Alaska. So moose, <laughs> caribou, sheep, goat, muskox. How are the glaciers doing? Because I've been working in Alaska. I've been going pretty much every season except for COVID for about seven years. And I can see Glacier Bay just from my eyes that it's much smaller than it was seven years ago. The glaciers are not just receding, they're also thinning. So you see more and more of the mountainsides every year. Uh, the National Park Service did a very interesting study. It's probably been 15 or 20 years ago now where um, they had taken historic black and white photographs. They went and found the same exact location, took a picture of the same exact glacier. And I believe it was 50 or 100 years. It, it was a substantial time difference. But the amount of glacial recession and thinning was shocking. Oh, yeah. I'll go back and uh, even for my pictures from seven years ago. I can see the exact same because the ship goes to the same spot. I mean, right, right. I can see it and I'm going, wait a minute, that rock wasn't exposed exactly when i first got here this, yeah it's pretty i worked in kenai fjords national park for almost 17 years and in that time the glaciers definitely changed right well how about here in baja i mean i came down you know we, we got to see gray whales this week and i just like snorkeled with sea lions which is awesome um have you seen but we didn't see any whale sharks and i was wondering i was hoping i would but they weren't here. So I was wondering, if have you seen any kind of decrease in those numbers? So I worked down here 20 years ago, and then I've been gone for 20 years. So oh. I don't remember enough to say it's different. Right. Did you see some this, this year? The whale sharks? Yeah. So the whale sharks, the season is monitored by a conservation organization and the government. And they have not opened it because there were so few sharks. So once they, they continue to monitor them, and if the local population increases where they're feeding, once it gets to five maybe, I don't remember what the magic number is, they will open it up. And part of that is because there are so many local tour operators taking people out, they do not want the wildlife being inundated with 50 or 100 tourists they want people to go out and disperse so there's only a few people with each animal right well i worried about that with the with the gray whales you know because we got up and they came right up to us you know they were close so i heard about your experience it sounded like the the calf came yeah, right. yeah. It was super curious. They were rubbing up against the boat and actually moving the boat. It was pretty wild. Pretty. It was. It was amazing. I had never done anything like that. Wild animals can have incredible behavior, and that you know that could have been. You could go back a hundred times and never have that happen again. Yeah, and we just this morning I woke up and looked out my window and there was a pot of dolphins. Yes, going through. There yeah, were. that was awesome. You must see a ton of those. I mean, dolphins are. We do. They're the best. So Let's face you, it. You were asking the difference. 20 years ago, you used to see giant megapods of dolphins. I want to see one of those. Hundreds or thousands of animals. And I, I've i been back for two, you know, Januarys to Mays down here. And I have not seen a megapod of dolphins. Mm. And sometimes people will call like 40 dolphins a megapod. What would, like hundreds you mean? Hundreds or thousands of animals. Oh, like that would so be incredible. miles, like as far as you can possibly see. Oh my God. You used to also see pilot whales in the Gulf of California, sperm whales. So there, there's megafauna. It's possible that the sperm whales are way up north of where we're at right now just due to their feed this time of year, mm-hmm. like outside of our cruising range far north. Um, Do you ever get the whales breaching, jumping out of the water? So in this part of the world, the calves are exhibiting that behavior, and it that's might be part of their muscle development. It might be play. <laughs> I, we we don't know why the calves breach. Yeah. Every once in a while, you do also see the the adults do it. What about you? Do you ever get a chance to have fun? I mean, this week we I've only seen you on the beach once. Do you get some R and R? Do you get to indulge in some of these amazing activities? So most of the places that we go to, I don't necessarily go to the guest beach because I've already had the activity of cleaning up marine debris yeah, so um, 
I'll go to the neighboring beaches that are nearby and easy access. So I'm a three minute skiff right away and I enjoy picking up the plastics off the beach. So this week, um, with the help of another crew member, I picked up three ghost nets and ghost nets are, they're essentially lost fishing equipment. They're not stored fishing equipment. I come from a family of commercial fishermen. Like we, we're not gonna steal someone's livelihood. But it's the, the gill nuts where the monofilament is old enough that the UV has rotted it. So as you're trying to pull it out of the sand that it's tumbled in, it starts to tear apart. So oh. definitely old nuts, but we picked up three ghost nuts this week and probably another, I don't know, two or 300 gallons of trash. Ugh. Because we just throw it in 50 gallon bags. So I'm just throwing yeah. an estimate. Yeah, that's always a bummer to see. It's a bummer, but it's very satisfying to get it picked up. Yeah. yeah and if true. the ocean's going to vomit it out, I'll pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> she clearly doesn't want it. She brings me a great deal of joy. That's exactly. the least I can do. What, uh, what is your contract like? How are you? Are you on for like six months and then you get on vacation? Six weeks on, six weeks off. Six weeks. Okay. Six weeks on, six weeks off. Okay. So where have your last vacations been? Or do you just go home and <laughs> chill? My last vacation was before COVID. Uh, oh, wow. Um, but I'm building a house. Oh. So it was supposed to be done like three years ago, but I'm I'm pretty much building it by myself. Done electrical and plumbing and in and Alaska. I, mm-hmm. Oh wow! And uh, I'm on to the point of building the cabinets now. Wow, yourself mm-hmm. with my dad. I'll build the cabinets. This is very now. Now this is looking like a reality show. Yeah, my dad and daughter build a cabin. Is it like out in? Out in the woods or kind of near town? It is about 25 minutes out of Homer, 20 minutes out of Homer. Okay. Um, and I don't really hear my neighbors. I can't see my neighbors. It's nice. We have lynx, brown bear, black bear, moose, wolves. We actually had wolverine this winter. Wow. Have you been getting dumped on up there, like West Coast? No, um, I think we only have about four feet of snow right now. Oh, that's not bad. No, not at all. Especially for maritime coastal. Yeah. There's, we've had a couple of years where we've had like three feet of snow in May still. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So why do uh, we get the ship here in La Paz instead of Cabo where the airport is very convenient? I think it has <laughs> to do with the convenience of the places we're going to play. Okay. Because if we were to go to Cabo, I think it's like a 12 or 18 hour sail this far north. Yeah, we'd have to go And all this night is where the national parks start that we play at. So it's easier for us to take a bus. Yeah. Yeah, so it's an hour and a half bus ride versus yeah. cruising. Two and a half. Ride. Two and a half? Yeah. Okay. It's two and a half. But uh, you can also fly in La Paz, it's just a little more difficult. There's not too it many is, direct flights. Yeah. There's not. And there used 20 years ago, there used to be a lot more. You used to be able to fly into Loretto, and you could fly into La Paz. Oh, really? And it's not as easy to access anymore. Yeah. And I thought there'd be direct, of all places, L.A., but nope. There's directs from, like, Phoenix, Phoenix. and uh, right. Houston, I think. Yeah, yeah. That, it wasn't, wasn't and Tijuana, but that doesn't help, really. Um, so if you uh, want to sell it to people... You know, for people who are thinking about taking an uncruise, what do you tell them? What What's the good sales pitch for them? This is a, this is your chance to promote the company. I'm not really a salesperson. <laughs> so, well, we, what, what we, are the best things about uncruise? And we're going to go to places that you've never heard of. Okay, that's great. And but, and to me, that that is a giant draw. Mm-hmm. When when someone says, "Oh, where have you been?" and you tell them, and they're like, "Well, well where is that exactly?" <laughs> I mean, people have heard of Cabo, people have heard of, you know, Puerto Vallarta, or wherever. Oh yeah, but those aren't the places that we're going to. I haven't heard of uh, all the places we've been this week. Right? No, it's and been fantastic. Right. Um, well, I hope to do another one. This is great. It's been fun having you on board. No, thanks for doing this and. Uh, Get us home safely, please. Of course. Okay. (laughs) That is the plan. That's Captain Andrea, everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for coming. Sure. My name is Erica Hernandez Calvo. Erica with K. Well, you go by Kika. 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 Is is that a Costa Rican thing that everybody has a nickname? Yes. (laughs) 
Everybody has a short for something, yes. <laughs> Where does Keka come from? Keka means the chosen one in Hawaiian. Oh. But my name is not Hawaiian. I know. Well, that's why, that's why <laughs> my, I'm confused. No, my little, my little brother couldn't pronounce my name, so he is the one who called me Keka. Okay. And when... Th that name spread like wildfire. So when he got to go to my same high school, everybody started calling me Keka. And then that was the beginning of spreading out into the world. Every time I go to a place, there's somebody who knows me from my hometown, calls me Keka, and poof, <laughs> everybody starts calling me Keka. And it's not the exception here. Like one of the guides met, came here and he's like, ah, Keka, nice to see you. And poof, everybody, what? <laughs> Keka, I like it. Yeah. So, so how long have you been with? With Uncruz. Uncruz. Um, my relationship with Uncruz started in 2015 okay. when the, the whole project began to brew. I had a, I have a, a really dear friend of mine who was an expedition leader over here, and he was doing the recons for the project that was going to start in 2016. Okay. And then in around June, June, July 2016, I got my first interview, and... That was it. I got hired. I <laughs> went to Seattle for training. And then we began uh, our first season in December 2016. What's your official title on board? Expedition leader. Expedition leader. Okay. Now, you, had a, you told us a little bit about your background on the first night. You were, uh, you were in law school. I something. was in law school. I never practiced. I also started... You finished? I finished. Wow, okay. But I never practiced. I... It's been really useful throughout my life, but back then was not useful. Most people I know who went to law school, none of them wanted to be lawyers when they came out. No, I was pretty disappointed because I really wanted to make a difference. Ever since I was five years old, I dreamed with being a lawyer and change everything for for women. Sure. And when I finally got there, at the time, uh, I did not have any connections or any money or didn't have a didn't come from a family of lawyers, so I got it pretty bad. Oh. And then that summarized with other circumstances just led me to get really disappointed. And my brother, who was a biologist and a guide in Tortuguero, which is one of the most uh, important uh, nesting sites for the green turtle in the Caribbean basin, he was working there in a small lodge, and he told me, hey, why don't you just get the certificate as a guide? I can pay for everything while you study. You get the certificate and come and work with me. And that's what I did. Now, you're from Costa Rica, and Uncruz has tours in Panama and, and Costa Rica, right? Yes. Did you start on those, or did you always yes. start here in Baja? No, the thing is that in Costa Rica, we take tourism really seriously. And oh, I've been. It's beautiful. Yes. And yeah. it's one of our main... Uh, economical activities so they need they needed certified official certified guides and I am one of them okay. and not only that but people who were into sports and who like kayaking and all things ocean so I was I, I fitted the, the, uh, the description <laughs> and so yes uh, that's how I started with them and they do Costa Rica Panama that's the first uh, itinerary that we started other than the Sea of Portland. Have you done all of them, like uh, Alaska as well? I have done Alaska, the wow. Colombian Snake River, Belize, Costa Rica, Panama, the Sea of Cortez, and coming up in April, Galapagos. Oh, you're going to do the Galapagos? Yes. I've never been. Oh, it's it's on my bucket list. gorgeous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you done it with Uncruz before? No, this is going to be my first wow. time with Uncruz. Is that seven days or longer? Uh, the seven days. Okay. Hopefully the longer. The longer one includes the an extension, a post extension going to Machu Picchu. So yes, that would be a dream come yeah, true. That is great. I've been there. But I've never been yeah, Galapagos is way high on my list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how what's a typical contract for you here? Like three months or six months at a time? Or? We have rotations of six to five to eight weeks depending on the demand and then we get breaks. So I, I don't know. I just work as much as I can. I really love it here. I don't see it as a job. I see it as a way of living. What's a typical day for you, though? I mean, you, have to, you, you not only have to book the tours, but you lead, you guide the tours. I mean, every day. Do you ever get a day off? I get a day off when I get off the vessel. 
<laughs> and then I sleep for like three days. <laughs> and after the fourth day, I just open up my eyes and go like, okay, so what's next? Oh. <laughs> so I start missing coming back. Oh my gosh, it never stops for you. Yeah. It's seven days. So you take the uh, bus from La Paz all the way back to, uh, to San Jose de Cabo? Cabo? Mm-hmm. Okay, and you ride up with them. Because I didn't take the bus up. Oh, so yeah, you it. came to La Paz. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. No, we go to the hospitality desk, and then we greet the guests. Um, we board the bus. There's narration on the bus about w- the things that we're going to see and the things that we're looking on the sides of the road. And then we come on board. We greet you, show you your rooms, your cabins. And then once you're comfortable, we call you for the drill. And that's where our adventure together begins. What's your favorite part of the job and your least favorite part of the job my favorite part of the job is being outside being out there and if i can go on the goat hikes that would be my super favorite part (laughs) my least favorite part i have to getting up early in the morning and saying goodbye to the guests oh it's it's really interesting because it's been 27 years for me and the older i get the harder it becomes for me to say goodbye do you have a, a, a social media and a web presence that you stay in touch with people? With some, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you, is there an Instagram page or anything? You yes. Can, you can promote. You can say it oh. here. What, where, <laughs> where do we find you? It's called Tour Guide in the World. I, th- I follow you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't believe I didn't put that together. Well, you don't use your name on there. No. That's why. Okay. That's you. That's me. Oh, I bet I'll look it up. I know I follow you. That's crazy. That's so funny. So how long have you been uh, having like posting? I mean, you must, everybody who follows you, do you say, because tomorrow we finished or in two days, do you tell people, hey, follow me on this as they leave? Or? No, no, really. It's, people ask me. I, I, I'm not, I like social media mostly to be in touch with my parents and with my children. Sure. Okay. And actually, I started social media with because of my children, with High Five and MySpace. Oh, God. Back in yeah, the day, yeah. then it was Facebook. Now they are just <laughs> long gone from there. Yep. And I am just not able to keep up with You're the new technologies. You're not doing TikTok? And almost, I, I try. I tried, but after three days, I realized that it was way too long in there. And so I just <laughs> decided to leave it aside. And wow. no, so when the guests leave, I usually if if they want to keep in touch, I give them my okay. my yeah my Instagram. Okay, we'll have a link to it, mm-hmm. so everybody can follow you now. Watch your numbers <laughs> just go go crazy. So what have I mean? People are active on this uh, cruise line, you know that that's the whole appeal of it. But do you have people? like get hurt and I mean have you ever had an emergency oh yes we have had emergencies oh yeah and yeah we have had like everything like in everything there's good bad and ugly yeah and so we have had bad and ugly too so and I what can I say it comes with the job so you never had to do like CPR or anything or have you ever had to like tape up anybody's broken leg or something I have not not on board but yeah. On the trail or something? Oh. So. Today we swam with sea lions, and that was amazing. I've never done that before. That's pretty unique to uncruise, isn't it? It is pretty unique. Because I've never seen that. I've worked on a lot of cruise ships, and I've never seen them offer <laughs> that. No, me neither. Actually, I coming from Costa Rica, uh, our training is just to stay away from everything. 27 years ago, I would try to impress you by... You know, grabbing snakes and toads <laughs> and spiders. Now we understand that we need to uh, coexist with them. So I try to give them space and respect. So coming from a place like that, for me, was quite shocking the first time I came to Baja California, seeing like all these interactions and you, po- you jump in the water and they come to you. And I still have, you know, like that anxiety that comes with it. <laughs> and but the more I am here, the more I get to understand also the interaction that those creatures seek towards us it's not like we are jumping and hey come over here no they're coming to us so it's it's been really fascinating fascinating and i try to keep an open mind and also it's just like yesterday when we got to see the whales was my first time ever touching a whale (laughs) i was like a five-year-old girl squeaking away (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that was amazing so yes all these surprises and like i always tell we every week each and every one of us is going to have a special gift from Mother Nature. 
You can call it however you want to, the universe, God. I like to call it Mother Nature. And you get your special gift. And so you can see as the week go by, each and every one of you have this experience and come back glowing like, oh, my God, I did not (laughs) expect this. So, yes, it's pretty rewarding. So we've had perfect weather this whole week. Yes. I know it's not always like this. Mm -mm. What do you do when the weather is just terrible? (laughs) <laughs> what do you, how do you how do you manage that? We need to come with plan B's, plan C's, and so sometimes we just stay on board, Oof. and we do different activities. Let's yeah. say salsa dancing lessons, <laughs> trivia's. Uh, yes, that's got to be the hardest part of your job. It, it is finding new activities and things. Yeah, it is. But always uh, the thing about on cruise is the the people who travel with us is very different. It's very flexible. They know that we are not tourists. We are travelers and we're mm-hmm. explorers. So it's a different breed of people that knows that we can't make phone calls to Mother Nature for her to stop things just because we are here. Right. So if you're a traveler and you know that those unforeseen events are going to happen, you prepare yourself for the worst case scenario. And then if you're prepared for that, everything that good that comes your way is a blessing. Is there one week that really stands out in your mind that was like, oh, that was a rough one? Uh, recently, we had a hurricane Where was in it? Belize. Oh, in Belize. In oh. Belize. So we had to stay, um, we had to shelter in Guatemala oh. for a few days. And that ended up being amazing because we didn't do water operations, but we went inland. So we got to um, see lots of history in Guatemala. We got to meet the Mayans. We got to do other things. Okay. So if, if that was the case, and for example, we needed to stay in La Paz, there's plenty of things to do in La Paz. Or, yeah, we would, we would come up with something. If you, like I'm a scuba diver, mm-hmm. but I know that wasn't part of this trip. Is that part of some of Uncruise or is all snorkel? All snorkel. Okay. Yes. Um, and then there was kayak. And then stand up paddle boarding, and what else am I missing? Snorkel, snorkel, and hikes. And hikes. And we have, depending on the destination, we have different activities. For example, here we have the what we call the exploratory hikes, which is setting out in the desert. Guides choice. Usually, we read you. If you're pretty active, then we just take you to where we want to go. Uh, we have walks, which are for more more moderate. We have the moderate hikes also for people who are active but don't want to go the extreme. Right. And then we have uh, the coastal explorations or the intertidal explorations for people who like just to take it easy and walk around and discover little things. I just did that one. Mm-hmm. That was cool. That was pretty cool. I think I signed up for the the hard hike tomorrow, but I don't know. I might have to switch. <laughs> it's the, a little warm out there. I don't it, know. It, it gets warm. I I find that one pretty rewarding. Okay. It's, it's one of my favorite. Actually, I was having a discussion with Luis because I really want to do it tomorrow, <laughs> but he's he's into it. So. Yeah, I don't know if I. Okay, I'll see how I feel. It pays off once you get to the top. If you reach the top, once you get to the top, the view is incredible. You get to see the place where we began this trip. Okay. So it's for the last hike. It's just, it's, it's, you, you connect the dots at the end. So We see, you know, I've seen, I've worked in Alaska for, you know, five, seven years or so, and I've seen things change, you know, the glaciers shrinking and things like that. Have you seen changes in Baja? And have you seen changes in Costa Rica and things? Oh, but yes. A lot of changes. What have you seen in Costa Rica? Uh, Over tourism. Well, yeah, that, that's yeah. a problem. And over tourism becomes a really big problem. A uh, lot of urban development. The richest soil in my country is under concrete. Concrete now. Mm. Uh, with urban development comes to, I mean, the how do you say the depletion of the ecosystems that sustain all the nature that we are accustomed yeah. to, and that made the people move there in the first place. And here in Baja, it's mostly the sea. How yeah. seas are getting depleted. Too much fishing? And to, in 2009, it was about 40% of the commercial fishing was done here in, in this Gulf. And all the creatures that we, we would be seeing on a daily basis that would be really common, every day is harder and harder and harder to find them. Yeah. And so it gets to be discouraging sometimes. Uh, ghost nets, uh, oh, yeah. overfishing is a thing. 
illegal fishing also in national parks is a thing. And of course, large corporations with lots of money that we know that we can't really fight against. Yeah. The, um, there's a statue in La Paz of, of Jacques Cousteau. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he came here, I guess it was the 60s and 70s. And I used to watch his specials, you know, as a kid and, you know, coming here and places like that. He called this the aquarium of the world. But uh, like you're saying, it's like um, that was 50 years ago. I'm sure he saw a much different oh, yes. Baja. You know, see if Cortez was probably, I mean, the hammerhead, The hammerhead population on Isla Cerralvo that now is called Isla Jacques Cousteau, it was incredible. It was one of the largest he had ever seen, and we barely see the hammerhead sharks anymore. Oh. So, yes, I've never seen one diving. You should come to Costa Rica okay. around Caño Island. That's that's a good spot. Or you should come to Cocos Island, which is part of the tropical Eastern Pacific Scape that connects Coiba, Malpelo, Gorgona, and Galapagos. Oh so yeah, right. Underwater right. Um, well, corridor. The only place I've seen whale sharks and, and snorkeled with them was in Panama. That was the only time I saw them there. But now that I have you here, and as a Costa Rica native and a guide, give us the um, maybe some places that aren't over-touristy and secret places. We don't want to ruin them, but give me some cool places that maybe we the guidebook doesn't say in Costa Rica and Panama. I don't have them anymore. Oh, come on. No, They've I all found out? Most of them have, and the few ones that are there, I don't even know if they have been discovered. It's mm. been a while since I was in Costa Rica. Okay. See, so let's see. After COVID, we thought that tourism was over. So I had to move out looking for other prospects. And so back in Costa Rica, I have been only for five days. And oh. that was just to visit my parents and my kids. So, yep, when I go guiding there, I'm just looking forward to find places. I would say that the southern region, the South Pacific coast of Costa Rica still has a lot to offer. There's places that are really not that accessible, like the areas on the Caribbean slope. And let me see, some mountains. There's a few areas like El Cerro de la Muerte where you can find quetzals. They're still pretty pristine. And just just a matter of finding the right person. The coastline wise is it's been pretty much all yeah. taken. I learned to surf there in Nosara. Yeah. That's what you know, which is very common I guess, but it was it was great. Nosara you know, is beautiful, strikingly beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where do you think is there another country there that or somewhere in the in Central America you think is undiscovered yet or I heard Nicaragua is supposed yes. to be very uh, up and coming. I would say that most of the countries in Central America with the exception of Costa Rica and Panama are pretty undiscovered and that is I guess is due to the fact of their political situations throughout history yeah. and also the fact that sometimes they're not so safe for travelers mm -hmm. but they're amazingly beautiful. Nicaragua is oh, Nicaragua is gorgeous El Salvador is really beautiful. Guatemala, Guatemala is fantastic. Yeah. Um, even Belize, Belize is highly touristy, but still, it's just if you go to Coxcomb to look for jaguars, it's amazing. Yeah, I didn't do much of the mainland of Belize. I did um, Key Cocker and we're diving. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I was doing. But um, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Is there a place that you think people should stay away from for a while so it can that's too over? If you could, if you could change one place and just say, you know what, if I could just, we could take five years and allow no tourists and let it come back, what would it be? It's so hard I to know. say. It is so hard. To, uh, there are so many that come to my mind. What was it like for you to see Alaska for the first time as someone from Central America? I have a video that I found the <laughs> other day. Uh, my first time in Alaska was in 2017, in May. And I went there because the first time I saw snow was on the top of Mount Rainier <laughs> when I was flying to Seattle to get trained by on cruise. Oh, wow. That was my first time. And I remember that my brain was not really, you know, processing what I was seeing. And suddenly I realized it's snow and I squeaked super loud <laughs> on the plane. Oh, my God, 
that's snow. <laughs> and everybody just looked at me and started laughing. <laughs> so when Dan Blanchard heard about that story, um, he asked me if I wanted to do a cross training in Alaska so I could just see snow and see everything over there. So a couple of guides and I went to Alaska and I mean, that was one of the most amazing experiences. I have these videos in which I come back and I start crying, squeaking, <laughs> thanking, everything. And, I mean, I would run like a little girl. Oh, my God, a whale, two, three, bubble, fed, bubble net feeding bears, wolves. I mean, yeah. it's just massive and, and raw and majestic. Costa Rica and Panama is like a jewelry box. It's very small, but it contains lots of treasures. <laughs> but North America is just like, boom. Yeah, it's gigantic. Gigantic. And then the infrastructure for traveling is so developed that it's, I mean, yes. for me, it's a pleasure to travel in North America. I've always said, if we're yeah. going to put concrete down in Costa Rica, please do the roads. Yeah. <laughs> was, yeah, yes. I don't need a four by four to get it everywhere. Government, please do the roads. <laughs> <laughs> but I was—I always wonder about that because I grew up in Chicago, so I was used to snow everywhere. But I remember—I remember I took a trip to New Zealand once, and there was all these Australians on the bus, and we went up to a glacier, you know, near Milford Sound, and they—and they had never seen snow before either. And they stopped the bus and they ran out and they touched it and. <laughs> Was it? Did it? Was it different than you thought it would be? It, it, yes. I mean, you knew it was going to be cold, but you didn't. I knew know. it was going to be cold. The closest to snow was my fridge, <laughs> so you know the consistency of the sure, ice yeah. in the fridge. But once you have it all around you, once you go to the first glaciers, is it, it, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Just like us today, going into the Cardonal, when you were getting off. And you would turn around and see all the green colors. Yeah. And you go like, this is surreal. This is just so <laughs> surreal. And it was just the same for me in Alaska on the glaciers and walking on ice. And still, I got to go to Colorado recently, about a month and a half ago. And it was, the entire area was totally covered with snow up to the point that they hadn't plowed the roads, some of the roads. So for me, it was incredible and scary at the same time. <laughs> Right. Because I would be walking and then it gets slippery and then you're like, wait a minute, this is just totally different. <laughs> or just like when I I remember my husband now, he was trying to impress me. So he took me to Switzerland oh. to learn how to ski. Oh, did you ski? Oh, yeah, I did. So I remember beautiful. it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. We went to a, to the Matterhorn. Oh, well, mat. he, he so, took you to the real Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. He really wanted to impress me. Yeah, I know. He's, <laughs> he's working hard, that guy. Yes. All right. So I remember I had an instructor, and she gave me all the ABCs you know, like to go, and I was like, I think I'm pretty good at this. And then it started snowing. Oh. And all the spots that I knew and all the all the marks that I had done, they were no longer there. And so I would look down and I would say, like, there was a hole in there. There was a tree in there. I don't think I can do this. What if I fall down? What if I just... I started just all these things started just racing through my head. So it's 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 pretty interesting. Only if you know how what it's like if you grew up there and you get used to it. it you know, like you you know all the different consistencies. Oh yeah, different names snow, of ice. Snow, exactly, exactly. Black ice and yeah. I Me, mean, it's just snow, and now it's just like wait a minute, it's that good snow, bad snow. Yeah, or, and driving on it can be very scary. I would. I don't think I would ever drive in snow. <laughs> I can drive in mud, but not oh, right, in snow. exactly. Well, if um, you have a dream destination, where is on your list of places you want to go that you've never been? Well. I want to go to Antarctica. Oh, yeah. Didn't Uncruz used to go there? Or? They started uh, contemplating the possibility of doing Antarctica, and right after the recon, COVID hit. Oh, right. So we are we started from scratch. So now we are just getting stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. And we're super grateful to all the travelers that choose coming with us. Oh, it's been great. Yeah, it's thanks to all of you that we live this life and that we can come to all these places. Well, I know that if uh, if you've been to Alaska and love it, you will. I've been to Antarctica once and it was it's pretty amazing. You will love it. Oh yes, I really love uh, working in Antarctica. Oh. There's nothing like kayaking around like icebergs, bergs. <laughs> yes, that's one of my favorite things. Or bushwalking, like bushwalking for me. 
um, I mean, I was just, it totally blew my mind because I come from a place that is tropical and we have so many toxic things that bushwhacking is not an issue unless you are really exploring or you need to survive some some sort. You have to have your machete and then you have to be really careful. But Alaska is a playground. Like you can just go and roll around and (laughs) and just get covered with mud and leaves and just feel, it's just, you feel alive. Except for the bears, of yes, course. Yeah, you I was have to be say. careful with the bears. But once you have that covered, then everything is just so much fun. So you've seen them, uh, bears, in, yes. in live? I have, yes. Oh, no. The, so what's the rule now? Because everybody says, you know, don't run or something. Don't run downhill. How, what? I forget what. Stay very still. Never run. Okay. Never turn your back on a predator or a possible predator because you will become prey. What you want to do is be as loud as you want because these creatures and all creatures in this planet, once they know you're coming, they don't want to be with you. They don't want to eat you. What bears don't like is to be startled. And I understand them. Imagine that you're dozing off in your front couch and suddenly a stranger walks into your house. What would you do? I would get really angry and attack. Yeah. Especially if I have cops with me so it's just the same with bears so if you're really loud they will give you your space sometimes you're crossing and they're there and they're there you don't just don't see them they are just letting you (laughs) go by because they just really don't want are not interested in you what's your favorite part of the alaska on cruise is it the glaciers or is it hikes in um, different towns or what's your favorite part my mm, my favorite part is kayaking in glaciers, in bushwalking. And there is a specific hike that is done in the Reed Glacier that I really enjoy. So you go around the, uh, you go on a ridge that is really next to one of the glaciers. So you can see the glacier from above. Oh, wow. And then you can see all the scenery. You see the whales passing by. And yes, strikingly beautiful. I asked uh, the captain this, and I will ask you, what is the uh, difference? What makes Uncruise Uncruise different from all the other cruise ships? Well, first of all, we're not a cruise. We're Uncruise. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Second of all, I think is... I don't know. I have worked for many, many companies, companies, I'm sorry, for many years, and this is the first time that I work for a company that I feel like I am part of something and I feel at home I feel like a family um, we have fun uh, it's, it's just different it's just different and so having that environment around you and being so happy to be sharing what we live I think it, it makes the guests also being comfortable and happy I don't know if I can I'm explaining myself no that's great mm-hmm I'm going to ask fun questions now. See, what uh, what's your craziest thing you've ever eaten in any country? The craziest thing I've ever eaten in any country <laughs> mm. was it like a snake or an insect or some kind of? No, I guess crocodile. Okay. Yeah. What <laughs> what's your worst flight experience? You My worst flight experience when I was younger. And I started as a guide. I was hired temporarily to be a guide for uh, short flights in Costa Rica that will go from San Jose to, the, uh, let's say, the coastline, the Pacific coast. Sometimes these planes were really small, mm. and the seat belts would not fit into <coughs> the travelers. So basically my job was to sit there and smile, tell them that everything would be okay, and then point at things that we would be seeing on the sides but I would be in panic like I would be suffering <laughs> while I was smiling and telling them, oh everything is so good oh my god look at that mountain that is la la I would be inside like praying <laughs> praying <laughs> so I only lasted for three months oh no see and the flights there because of the there's a small aircrafts and lots of turbulence for me was just horrible especially there's one that comes into my mind and it comes from Osa Peninsula, from the Osa Peninsula to San Jose. So there's two points there in which I would be like a cat. Oh, just clawing. Yes, into the seat, like calling all saints. 
Yes. So you were a guide or like a flight attendant? I was a guide. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I was a guide. And the ones that were was like six seats or something? Yes. Oh, yeah, those can be very scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, is there an activity you have ever wanted to do that you haven't done? Whether it's like, I don't know, skydiving or some crazy... Uh, I Well, yeah, there's one that I always wanted to do was the Camino Santiago. Oh, was, I just talked to a guest that just did it. It was my dream, mm-hmm. and I actually got the passport. I have all, everything, and I was training for it. And back it was back in 2016, 2016, when I started working for Uncruz. Yes, uh, January 2016, I was ready. I flew to France, and I remember there was an attempt uh, like a terrorism? Yes, thing? a terrorism attack. Um, or they found some something happened near Notre Dame. Okay. And my mom had a nervous re- breakdown because oh, no. she thought that I was there. So I decided just to travel around and stay. And I didn't do it. And now I regret not doing it. Ugh. You can still do it, though. Uh, it's, my life is different now. So. Yeah. Well, convince Mr. Uh, Matterhorn skiing to go <laughs> with you. Did uh, yeah? Did uh, what's the first thing you want to eat when you get back to Costa Rica every time that you can't get anywhere else? Gallo pinto, con huevos, eh, queso frito, y salchichón. Okay, and which? Okay, so I heard uh, eggs in there. I heard okay. What? So what? Eggs. Pinto is rice and beans. beans. Rice and beans. Yeah. Uh So it's a typical Costa Rican breakfast with fried cheese, like white cheese. Oh yeah. It's delicious. And then we have a salchichonis, like a type of a sausage, mm. and two fried eggs. Oh, perfect. And coffee, coffee with milk, yes, ah. and three sugars, made by my mom. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and if not by any mom in Costa Rica, any mom knows how to do it. <laughs> you know what's amazing? On this ship, you have the uh, the brown sauce that's on every table in Costa Rica. Yeah, of Lizano course. Is it? Salsa Lizano. Oh, I can't get it in L.A. You think I could? Mm-hmm. And I even went to like a specialty uh, Latina market. Couldn't get it. You have I, to get it online. Yes. I think in Miami you can find it. Oh, yeah, maybe. all the supermarkets, but yes. Yeah. In Amazon you can find it. Yes. Well, <laughs> I got hooked on it. It's every, delicious. With it's my delicious. eggs. So yeah, I had it with my eggs this morning. So, finally, what do you think of all this, um, all the travel you've done and all the people you've met around the world and the places you've been? What has it taught you? about people, about the world, and what have you learned from from all of it? I have learned that there's good, bad, and ugly in every single place, that two things are going to happen to me. I might like the place and fall in love and want to return. I might not like the place very much, but I will learn not to complain about what I have and where I live. Gratitude. Gratitude. Sometimes we go to places and we see, if we don't travel, we will never know what we have. But if you go out, traveling expands your mind. Traveling helps you understand other cultures, other people, your neighbors. And when you go back, you go back a totally different person, more open-minded and more grateful and ready to just absorb whatever life throws at you. If you don't travel you're going to become really close-minded because you will never see what's out there. That's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Perfecto. Excelente. Excelente. <laughs> uh, now, tell people where they can find you again. A tour guide around the world? Tour guide in the world. Tour guide in the world yeah. on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> Follow her there. Thank you, Kate. Yeah. Thank you.